Not right now. Our future selves are at the beach. Yes. <laughs> future selves are at the beach, and therefore you're getting our fun end of summer mini-sodes like we always send yes. out to you. So this week we're doing – we're, we just decided over this vacation we're going to do two little mini-sodes. So the first week I'm going to tell a story, and then the second week Allie is going to tell a story. And this way you guys can still have some fun information to share at cocktail parties like we – we just don't want to leave you hanging. No. I mean, especially if you're sitting on the beach and you have yes. a story to tell. Exactly. Something to bring up. Really get the family stirring. Yeah. And also, this is a good chance to catch up on old episodes mm -hmm. because our episodes can be long. Yeah. So this way, you can still get the new episode, but it's not going to be as long. And then you can go back to catching up and making sure you are up to date. And I mean, history. maybe go back and listen to episode eight, the Barbie Sally yes. Ride episode uh, so that you we can just reposted that one recently. Yeah. So it's now officially in your feed. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> it's there and it's ready for you. Um, but without further ado, this is Herstory on the rocks vacation edition vacation time. <laughs> so normally we would be talking about famous women in history. <laughs> We talk about good women and bad women, fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance. And usually we're drinking. Uh, we're not drinking this week. We're taking a break from that as well. It's like <laughs> 12 and we're going to be, it's 12 like a.m. Yes. P.m. No, it's, no, it's noon. It's, it's noon. noon. But also we're going to be drinking all next week at the I know. beach. Exactly. So that we need so. to like give our livers a break. Exactly. We're taking a little break. Um, so instead of talking about famous women in history this week uh i am actually going to be telling you a really fun story about a bank robbery i love true crime <laughs> i'm actually talking about a woman so you're Perfect. gonna get a little bit of that from me but i'm really excited about this this is like when we did the titanic and the hope diamond yes, I, I sometimes i'm like wow what if we were just a history podcast this is like a little taste of if we were just history i think <laughs> <laughs> just history on the rocks <laughs> um so i'm going to be talking about the normanstrog robbery where, of the 70s where is that even is that in the u.s no so this all takes place in stockholm sweden fun in the 70s Ooh. the swinging 70s i feel like swinging 60s, <laughs> that's the wrong the decade. groovy 70s yes <laughs> Um, so on the morning of August 23rd, 1973, an escaped convict crossed the streets of Sweden's capital city and entered a bustling bank, the Sverriges Credit Bank on Stockholm's upscale Nürnbergstorg Square. I'm so wait, so this sorry. is an ex-convict? Yes. So he is an ex-convict and he is about to rob a bank. He's about to become a new convict. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, from underneath the folded jacket he carried in his arms, Jan Erik Olsen, dressed in a wig, makeup, and sunglasses, pulled a loaded submachine gun, fired at the ceiling, and in his very best American accent, cried out in English, the party has just begun. So this is a guy. Yes, this He's is a guy. He's in a trench coat. Wig and glasses. Wig and glasses, oh, makeup. Man. Yes. <laughs> he then tells everyone to get on the ground. He puts a radio on the counter and starts blasting rock music throughout the bank. He was a safe cracker who had been a repeat offender, and he was out of prison right now because he had failed to return after his furlough. So apparently this is a thing that Sweden did, like with like kind of like, you know, not violent criminals. Mm -hmm. They're like, all right. For your mental health, we'll let you out of prison for a little bit, but like you have to come back. And he's like, I'm not going back. 
<laughs> I, I don't understand that. Like, go sit in timeout. But <laughs> so he was serving a sentence for grand larceny, uh, three years, but he was out. Um, a policeman rushed to the bank, responding to the silent alarm. Jan shot uh, and injured him, shot his hand, and then proceeded to take hostages. Kristen Enmark, Brigitte Lundblad, Elizabeth Oldgren, and Sven Sofstrom, um, and he was holding them hostage. In the bank? In the bank. Okay. Jan then made his demands. He wanted more than $700,000 in Swedish and foreign currency. He wanted a fast getaway car, and he wanted the release of Clark Olofsson. <laughs> Clark Olofsson was kind of a celebrity criminal at the time. He was young, he was hot, and he loved breaking into banks and escaping from jail. So this time, he didn't need to escape from jail. The police brought him from jail to the bank because this guy wanted him there. And also, when I say this guy's hot, like, here's a picture. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) He's smoldering. He really is. Like, very cute. Very attractive. So he wants him released as part of this deal. As part of the deal. He goes, I need Clark here with me. Um, Are they previous friends or he just has like a fanboy crush on him? Yeah. So they had met in jail. And that's kind of what inspired Jan to do this thing in the first place because Clark was telling him all about his jail robberies and he goes that sounds amazing so basically then he was like well now I need him here to finish the job (laughs) so and yeah they had met in prison um so then the police give in to all of these demands they got him the cash they got him a blue Ford Mustang and they got him Clark Olufsen So it seems like it should all be done right now. But then Jan says, all right, but I'm going to put the hostages in the car with me to ensure that I get away safely. And the police were like, absolutely not. And he goes, all right, well, the deal's off then. At this point, the media had already gotten a wind of this. So there are cameras and sharpshooters completely surrounding the bank while these six people are all inside of the bank and now inside of the vault. (laughs) Right, because, I mean, the police are assuming... We give him this stuff. He lets the hostages lets go, go, and then we pretty quickly rearrest him. Exactly, because they had put a tracker on the car. They had given him bills in sequential order, which he was pretty pissed at. He actually even demanded. He was like, I want bills crumpled up, like ones that you'd find in your pocket. It's like, well, that's a lot to ask for. And like, what was it, $700,000? They're probably also making deals with Clark Olofsson. Like, we'll limit your sentence if, like, you go with Maybe. this guy. Who knows? So they're in the vault and the hostages are scared. But then when Clark Olofsson gets there, things kind of take a turn. He is actually very nice to them. Um, He is like trying to calm things down because Jan is like panicked because he thought that this was going to go differently. And that's why he kind of needs Clark there because he's like, okay, I've gotten this far. And now I, how do we finish this? And he goes, I don't know, dude. I never get to this point. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. What does he do? Just go like, in and out? Why did you take hostages? Steal money and leave? <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, you get the bank teller to put it in the bag and then you leave. Like, what? what? Did you not listen to me? So, <laughs> I mean, Clark is like, you know, he draped a wool jacket over the shoulders of Kristen and Mark when she was really cold. He soothed her when she had a bad dream. And he even gave her a bullet from his gun. And he's like, remember me. 
Um, Jan <laughs> consoled, consoled captive uh, Brigitte Lundblad when she couldn't reach her family by phone because they even allowed them to like call home to their families and be like, hey, I'm okay. And when Brigitte couldn't get a hold of her family, Johan said, try again. Don't give up. Like, I'm sure they're going <laughs> to answer the phone soon. And when hostage Elizabeth Oldgren complained of claustrophobia, he allowed her to walk outside the vault attached to a 30-foot rope. Um, and Oldgren told the New Yorker a year later that although she was leashed, she remembered thinking, he was very kind to allow me to leave the vault. <laughs> yes, you're a hostage. Yes. So where did he get the 30-foot rope? What is happening? So the Jan had brought the rope with him. So he I had see. brought rope, the gun, the radio, all I of see, it. I see, I uh, see. So the group would listen to the news and music on the radio. Apparently, Clark had the song Killing Me Softly stuck in his head. So he was, like, humming that a lot. Good. Um, and Clark was mainly the one in charge of, like, connecting them with the police and, like, getting them supplies, you know. And he'd be like, we need food, we need water. They'd send it to him. And then he was talking to the girls, and he's like, oh, we also need tampons. Yeah. Uh, so they got those sent down. <laughs> like, How long were they down here? Total six days. Stop. <laughs> six days? Six days. And the police were, like, you know, bugging the vents, like, trying to hear what was going on. And they were, like, listening to them and, like, they were like, all we can hear is like pleasant conversation. They're like, what the fuck is going on in there? <laughs> the men even allowed a wellness check on the hostages. So they're like, you can send a doctor in, make sure everybody's okay. And the doctor's like, everybody's fine, like mentally and physically. <laughs> and then Kristen and Mark even had an hour-long phone conversation with the Swedish Prime Minister, Olaf Palm. And she said, please tell the police to let me go with them in the escape car. She said, I fully trust Clark and the robber. I am not desperate. They haven't done a thing to us. On the contrary, they have actually been very nice. But you know, Olaf, what I am afraid of is that the police will attack us and cause us to die. <laughs> and now they weren't always so nice to them. At some point, Jan wanted to send a message to the police that he was serious. So he goes, I think I might have to shoot Sven in the leg. <laughs> No, stop. And even to this, the hostage later said, I mean, how kind I thought he was for saying it was just my leg he would shoot. <laughs> and then their feelings toward the police got even worse because while everyone was asleep in the vault one day, a policeman snuck into the bank and locked the vault from the outside. So now there's no chance of them getting out on their own. This is Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, These it's People crazy. are like loving their captors. So they are now trapped in the vault and now it's so this is like day three that like they lock them in and now the hostages are like okay so this is like you guys don't care about us because like now like we can't get out for fresh air we're like really trapped and like they're just like feeling like well these captors are taking better care of us than the fucking swedish <laughs> oh government <God>. so <laughs> after the six days and meanwhile so like after day three, after they lock it, they're then starting to, the police are starting to drill holes into the vault because they want to um, have access to them. They put like a, uh, a camera down there and they take a picture, uh, which is where we get a like, very famous thing. I want them to like airlift the vault. Just like I know. The building. <laughs> and then after this six day standoff, the police decide that the best way to move forward uh, is to basically smoke them out. It's giving, like, Alice in Wonderland. Sure. <laughs> there goes Bill. <laughs> um, 
so once they are really seeing the holes and stuff, Yana's like, I think they're going to try and like put like gas or something in here. Like they're going to try and like get us, like force us to come out. So then they decide that they are going to tie nooses to the safety deposit box and they put them around the hostage's neck and they're like well if you put the gas down here and they pass out they're they're gonna hang themselves he goes so then it'll be your fault that they die so things are getting a little crazy (laughs) so they're like okay we'll back off of that but now we're not going to send you supplies anymore they cut the electricity so it's completely dark and they have to use water for the drilling because it's like metal and stuff so now the flood it the vault itself is like flooding with water. It is a nightmare at this point. And then on the sixth day, they make their big move and they start pumping tear gas into the vault. Oh my god! With the hostages in there? Yes. They can hear screaming, coughing, vomiting, and finally the police unlock the vault door to allow them to leave. The siege had lasted six days, but as the robbers and the hostages are exiting, they notice some odd behavior. First off, when the police told them to send the hostages out first, the hostages themselves refused. Kristen and Mark yelled, no, Jan and Clark go first. You'll gun them down if we go first. In the doorway of the vault, the convicts and the hostages embraced. They kissed. They shook hands. (laughs) And as the police seized the gunmen, two female hostages cried, don't hurt them. They didn't harm us. And while Kristen was wheeled away in a stretcher, she shouted to Clark Olufsen, Clark, I will see you again. The police are confused. I'm confused. The public are confused. And frankly, so were the captors themselves. The day following her release, Oldgren asked a psychiatrist, she goes, is there something wrong with me? Why don't I hate them? And then later on, Kristen Enmark refused to testify against the men during the trial and raised money for their defense. Jan was sentenced to 10 years for the crime, but Clark was let go, let off, because they were trying to ch- charge him with, uh, like, aggravated robbery or whatever. And he was like, you drove me to the bank. He goes, I wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for you. You told me to go in <laughs> yeah. like I was in prison. He goes, I'm also kind of a hostage. He goes, and then I just had to, like, help the situation. And I was also being told what to do. And Jan backed all this up, saying, yes, Clark had nothing to do with it. Um, but, of course, Clark still had, you know, some of his sentence to finish. So the men returned to prison. And to make thing, the whole thing even wilder, the hostages made jailhouse visits to their former captors like regularly throughout their sentences yeah oh my god the behavior was so odd and interesting that scientists started studying this and they dubbed the phenomenon stockholm syndrome there we go i was like wait i was as we were getting there i was like wait this happened in sweden this is actually stockholm syndrome so this is actually the story of where stockholm syndrome came from that's (laughs) crazy and so this all happens in Sweden. It, the term is coined, but then it would become internationally famous. Like, I think even maybe just a year later when Patty Hearst, the famous heiress, was abducted by the Symbionese Liberation Army, mm-hmm. which, spoiler alert, we're covering her this season. Yes, so this are. is also kind of like a little prequel to that story. A pre-Patty <laughs> Hearst. So now you guys will have a little more information on Stockholm Syndrome when we cover her story. 
So Kristen is obviously the most famous of the captives because she was the most staunch defender of them. And she and Clark even developed a romantic relationship after the ordeal. He calls her Kiki and they are still friends today. Um, So I listened to the show Criminal for this uh, uh, research and she goes, did you guys kiss in the vault? And he goes, oh, God, no. He goes, no, 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 no. Of course not. He goes, I told her we have to wait until after we're out. After we're out of the vault. This is like too dire of a situation. It's like yep. people who fall in love on reality shows. It's yep. like that's not going to last in the real world. <laughs> but Kristen hates the whole Stockholm Syndrome thing. She talks often about how it makes her seem like a mentally ill woman. When she was like, to me, it makes total sense that I would like fall in love with Clark. She goes, he came in and made the situation better. She's like, I'm not in love with Jan. You know, obviously he also was like pretty nice to us, you know, for a bank robber you know, hostage taker. Um, but she was like, Clark was nice to me. He's very charming. Um, and ultimately like things may have turned out for the worse if like Clark hadn't have come in and stepped in and been kind of like the voice of reason. He was like you know? the knight on the white horse. Like, yeah, to save exactly. So she doesn't like that people, you know, kind of frame this as her just being like a crazy woman, which I think is another like interesting part of this because the problem with the term Stockholm syndrome and like the, the idea of it is that if you're trying to say you're not a victim of it, you're kind of just doubling down on people's beliefs. Right. Because they're like, well, of course you wouldn't think you have Stockholm syndrome because you have Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yes, exactly. But Clark is still alive. He did a couple more stints in prison for various crimes. Um, and he's so funny. Like he caught a group of tourists outside of the bank one day and the tour guide was telling the story and he was like, uh, excuse me, would you like to hear the story from Clark Olafson? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, <laughs> like he loves it. Uh, he's just like when he's talking, I can see why like you would fall in love with him. He's so freaking charming and obviously he's very very attractive i just thought stockholm syndrome was like a much older term i know i think 70s i think it's because we associate it so much with the story beauty and the beast yes that like then we kind of think like oh like that's a much older thing but no it's from the fucking 70s that's crazy (laughs) but and i love it because like phoebe judge asked him because he was like oh yeah you guys every time i go in front of the judges they're like okay like here's this arrogant son of a bitch and she goes are you an arrogant son of a bitch? She goes, of course. He goes, but I'm also very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the story of Stockholm Syndrome. I love that. I love it. I was wondering what it definitely tied into women's history. I was like, I'm wondering, bit, yeah. I'm wondering where this is going, but here it is. So everyone, we hope you enjoyed this little yes. mini. So <laughs> we're going to stay here and keep recording, but you're not going to get to hear it until next week. Yes. So tune in. Uh, keep your sunscreen on and never forget that well-behaved women <laughs> don't have Stockholm syndrome. No, they really make history. <laughs> Goodbye. You've been listening.
listening to Her Story on the Rocks. We are independently produced by 1986 Entertainment and proudly recorded in Baltimore, Maryland. If there's a woman in history you would like us to cover, you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com. You can also message us on Twitter or Instagram. We post all of our cocktail recipes on Tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us. See you next week. Bye.